anyways, I just thought it was a cool name, Lonesome Ace. I always thought <laughs> a, 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 a cool name for a band, but it sort of backfired on, on us because when you introduced us, nobody can say it. It doesn't seem <laughs> like it's when people ask us, "What's the name of your band?" I have to go like the Lonesome Ace String Band, and and it, it's for some reason that combination of words is sort of clumsy and nobody ever remembers intersection of good drinks good music and good times this is hops and spirits bar conversations we're heading into the world of maybe americana canadian roots i don't know we'll, we'll find out exactly what they like to call call it that they uh, perform but it's good music nonetheless we were joined by two of the trio from lonesome string or lonesome a string band we've got chris cool and john showman guys welcome in hey jonathan how are you I'm good. I'm good. And for those watching, who's who? Oh, I'm Chris. I'm John. So, <laughs> and then the third me. member who's isn't. <laughs> and the third member who's yeah. now joining us is Max Malone. Um, and y'all have a brand new album coming out called "Try to Make It Fly," which by the time this drops will be out, even though we're talking before it comes out. So you guys got a lot going on. Yeah, it's been a busy, uh, busy month. We've been sort of prepping for a bunch of touring that we're doing in the next uh, next couple months. We went down to Americana Fast, went out, played uh, Pick, Pickin' in the Pines, which is a great festival out in um, Flagstaff in Arizona. And yeah, you know, we've been sort of getting excited, gearing up for for this record. It'll be the first. Uh, it's also the first vinyl we've ever had. We just picked up uh, seven boxes of vinyl records today. They're quite heavy. <laughs> um, so you learn something all, all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, glad we're doing our first few tours by car, not by foot. And you know, since this is bar conversations, uh, I gotta ask, uh, what are you guys drinking tonight? Anything good? Yeah, I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking a West Avenue cider. It's like a, it's a good apple cider. It's pretty strong, uh, made in Ontario. Nice. I'm drinking some Highland Park 12-year-old scotch. Ooh, I like it. I like it. See, I wasn't sure what to go with uh, for for y'all. I don't, I don't really have anything Canadian, so to speak. Um, so I, I know you guys like rye up there. So I went with a little hard truth rye out of, out of Indiana. Um, it's a sweet mash. So I, I figured that was fitting for tonight. <laughs> I, I, no. I, I'd meant to go and get more Canadian than this, but then I was been teaching banjo all day and ran out of time, so I went with uh, I went with this. I, I was uh, I I turned fifty last February, and the when I turned fifty, I was in the middle of sort of like a a, a, a bout of sobriety, um, mm. and so. I was taking, I'd taken like a month off and then it was like, ah, I was enjoying it. So I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll take the year off. Uh, and I ended up taking three months off, but nobody knew that that was happening. And so everybody gave me whiskey for my birthday. And so I have, I'm still sort of working through these beautiful bottles of whiskey that people gave me on my birthday last year that I wasn't drinking at the time, but I am now. Yeah, Highland Park's a pretty good one for sure. I was going to say, that sounds like a good problem to have. <laughs> yes, it is a good problem to have. 
Now, John, are you always ciders, or do you mix in the whiskeys and some other other spirits as well? I don't like hard alcohol that much, to be honest. I, I kind of generally get in trouble with it. I either, you know, drink drink too much too quickly, or uh, and essentially forget what I've done the night before. And there's some stories for sure. And then uh, the other alternative is it just kind of makes me really sick. But uh, you know, you know the great thing. Okay, the great thing about cider and beer. I like beer too. Is that you can still get blackout drunk. You can still do it. I've, I've done it often. And uh, the thing is, is that I don't feel quite as ill the next day. One of the great My things man. about me is none of those things he described ever happened to me when I'm drinking hard liquor. <laughs> I, I like it. So, you know, I, so some I, people are. are just, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, my, my wife gets upset with me because I'll have a few drinks and then the next day I feel fine. And if she did that, she would be uh, not feeling so great all day. So uh, I, I get some uh, some fun, fun stares on, on that when I'm waking up at 7 in the morning ready to go. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. Very true, very true. And you guys have been doing some, I'll call it practice, because you all have been playing music for a few years now. Um, and been playing in different groups along with, uh, you know, the, the Lonesome Ace uh, band. What's it been like playing part of um, some of those pretty cool acts up there, whether it was the, the Foggy Hogtown Boys, Fiverr, and, and some others? Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're lucky. We've uh, had, the, all the members of the band have had a pretty long association. Uh, me and John uh, have been playing together for, what about 23 years now or something like yeah. that and pretty much right from the beginning always in a in a pretty busy working band um and <clears throat> busy for us hasn't always been touring we've always done a fair amount of touring but um we had many years where we were doing toronto's a, a great city i think a lot of folks in the states don't realize what a big city it is it's I think the third or fourth largest city in north america uh, it's like around the same size as chicago so it's always had a great music scene and uh, especially about 10 years ago, it was a real sweet spot. Uh, there's like a lot of what they call residencies now. We always call them house gigs, but where we, we had ongoing gigs. So we had an ongoing bluegrass gig that was pretty legendary that went for uh, like uh, over 20 years. Um, we had a Saturday gig at this, uh, this place, which is where this trio where it was every Saturday and Sunday, four sets each day. And we did that for 10 years or something like that. Um, and there was like many years where we had, uh, you know, three or four gigs a week in town together uh, just all the time. So we really got, we were really lucky uh, to be able to get that many hours in. And a, a great community. So there a lot of the bands like shared members or if like, you know, if, if somebody, if we were touring, you know, there was always people to take your place. So that, that Wednesday gig we had, there was like, I, there was like the band, the core band, but then there was like a sort of family element to it. So it was always, you know, quite often different, especially as the years went on and we tended to be out on the road more. Um, uh, it was sort of a, a rotating cast of characters, but it was a really great thing to be a part of and uh real special time and I think the music scene in general in town uh, but definitely speaking for myself it was a special very special time in my life one thing I'd like to add to that too is that it was sort of uh, 
not a, not the most giant pool of people playing the kind of music we were playing and we kind of all got into bluegrass right around the same time maybe like 25 ish years ago um i i was living in a different town but i moved to town like in 2000 basically and, um you know everybody had kind of come to bluegrass and and chris was Chris was was always in the in the scene here in Toronto, and I kind of came in on the you know right at the start of it. And uh, I don't know, there were probably like a dozen people who were really into it, and it kind of started to snowball a bit. And so eventually, you had like you know probably twenty odd people who were just kind of gigging all the time. And I don't want to I don't want to you know minim, minimize how much gigging there actually was. Like at um, at any given point in time from probably like 2000 until probably 2012, um, I'd say bo- both of us never had fewer really than three or four house gigs every week. And that's not even, that's for like over 10 years. And we never, you know, and, and we played maybe half of those together, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then half of them, we would play with the same, you know, the same people. It was kind of like a slightly rotating cast. So, I mean, we have kind of been in a bunch of different bands, but if you really start to distill it, it's kind of like the same group of musicians who are just kind of like doing slightly different repertoire. Like maybe people would focus on old country hits and then you'd focus on mostly like, like traditional bluegrass or even more kind of Appalachian kind of style folk stuff and, and fiddle and banjo tunes, for example. And then there'd be like, you know, people shredding it up, like playing instrumental bluegrass and stuff. So there's kind of like, there's all these different things that would happen and people would get kind of shared around a lot. But it really translated to like, you know, playing pretty much every single night of the week, like every week of the year. And then when you go on tour, you know, it's like suddenly you're, you know, you go on tour for six weeks or whatever, and then there's, you know, a, a vacancy in one of these gigs. So somebody jumps in and fills it. So there's always kind of like, even if you had like a band, like your own little project or whatever, you're going on tour, but you're coming back to town and you're playing you know, three, four, five steady gigs every week and then picking up other people's gigs. So it's kind of like, it's a cool scene that way. And I think it it really, uh, I don't know, it probably mirrors a lot of a lot of stuff that's happened in, 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 in a lot of places and has been happening in a lot of places in the U.S., like New York and Nashville or whatever. I'm sure it's similar. I don't know. I haven't lived there, but I can imagine that's sort of how musicians get along, right? Kind of yeah, I was going to say, I, I talked with East Nash Grass a while back, and they've got a steady gig. I think it's on a Monday, and any given time, it could be a one out of the six that are there, all six, three or four, but usually they've always got a full group, and it's it's a, a fun family. And, you know, for, for you two, with the instruments you picked up, with, with Chris, the banjo, John, the fiddle, how did you get into those instruments and, and kind of, you know, fall in love with it, so to speak? Um, it's... For me, I mean, uh, I, I lived pretty much downtown Toronto my entire life. I was sort of, you know, or with a, you know, within about a ten-minute walk of downtown, uh, and so I've lived very um, an urban life my entire life. I've always lived in Toronto. It's the only place I've ever lived. There's no country music whatsoever in my family, really. I mean, you can always go back a generation. You know, my grandfather played a little mandolin and called some square dances apparently, but I never grew up with the music at all. None of it. And, um, one of the things, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was 13. I always loved music. I got really into the Andy Griffith show when I was about 12 years old. Um, 
and which would have been well, I don't know what's that like the mid eighties, um, and I was like I was always sort of into old stuff and nostalgic, but I got really into obsessed with that TV show, and to the point that I had all two hundred and forty nine episodes on VHS tape. Uh, like I was just obsessed and on that episode, I just like the, it featured bluegrass. It had the, the Dillards were on a few episodes and so were the Kentucky Colonels were on, I think two episodes and Andy would sometimes play his guitar and it wasn't just the music though. It was also like the vibe of the small town Southern. I just got really into the, uh, into the sort of romantic element of that whole thing and got swept away by it a little bit. And then that in, in correlation with the fact that I was learning to play guitar and, you know, one day I was, I was always into collecting records and remember being in a record store and seeing this record with this cool sort of cartoon of a bluegrass band and a dude with a banjo. And it was in the grateful dead scene or uh, grateful dead section. And it's like old and in the way. And, I mean, that, you know, my life changed from that moment for sure. Uh, and then just pieced it or uh, uh, pieced it together because I, you know, at the time there was no internet. This would have been the late 80s. And uh, it was all about going to record stores and you just find a record that, you know, at first it would just look cool. And then I, I realized I was liking these albums that had the banjo and the fiddle on it. And then I was starting to look for those and look for those instruments and, realized it was bluegrass and just it was almost like a little mystery that uh that i put together and eventually i found somebody who taught me some very basic uh sort of folk banjo and sort of taught myself how to play and and was completely obsessed with it from i got my first banjo at 17 and i've uh yeah that's sort of what i've done ever since for my living i was a busker for about 12 years uh through my 20s Playing in the subways in Toronto, and yeah, that's my that's my banjo story. <laughs> and John on the fiddle. Yeah, I basically started playing classical music when I was a little kid. I was six years old, and uh, I I stuck with it. I was really good at it. I, I went to a big conservatory, actually in, in the states in Indiana. I went to Indiana University and had a really good strings program there. So I was there for a bit and. You know, I, I kind of, I got, like, technically, I got really good. I, I played from age 6 to 19, just taking weekly lessons. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, by the time I was 19, I was pretty good on, on violin anyway. And, uh, you know, I gave it up for dead, though. Like, I, I kind of, at a certain point, I was like, I don't want to do this. And, uh, you know, I was listening to other music. I was listening, I was listening to most of like rock and, like, you know, grunge and stuff. This is like, 1990. When I was uh, when I was in university, and uh, I just yeah, I gave it up for dead. And then I then I had a buddy who went to theater school in, in Montreal, and uh, he played some guitar. And I, I'd known him a long time, and he's, he's like, "Hey man, we should bust out the we should bust out your violin and just like jam." So we ended up just kind of improvising these you know kind of goofy flamenco riffs, like you know, you're on dum 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 da 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 and I just kind of like wail on the violin. It's like, oh, I can still do this. You know, it's been like three years since I picked it up. And uh, we sort of started doing this all the time. And then uh, we we eventually, he, he went to school with a bunch of, with a bunch of people in, in theater in Montreal. And he was like, hey, man, we're doing this, uh, you know, this big, like, just kind of open uh, 
don't know what you'd call it. <laughs> Not really a talent show. It's just like basically him and, and all the other kids in theater school. And it wasn't like a, a serious performance. Like, come come play with me. We'll have fun. So I did that uh, and uh, met this girl who I thought was really beautiful. I was like, oh, this is really amazing. I was like, okay, this is good. I'm sold. I'm digging it now. <laughs> but uh, then I, through her, I actually met, through her, I met a bunch of people who, who played, uh, you know, folk music. I'd never even heard this stuff before. Um, I met this banjo player called Ron Deckelbaum, an Israeli guy, and uh, he he played uh, he played five you know five finger banjo. I'd never heard anything like it. I'd never really seen a banjo before. I would have been like twenty three, and uh, he started introducing me to bluegrass. And he was like, uh, "Can you play bluegrass?" I was like, "No." And he's like, "Okay, look, I have all the sheet music." So he showed me all the sheet music of violin. I was like, "Okay, I like it sight read." So I started reading all this stuff, and he was like. Yeah, this is awesome. So he taught me like probably a dozen tunes, and I started playing with him. And then there's a guy from uh, a guy called Joey Wright from from Toronto that you knew actually. He was, he was uh, one of the first guys I think you played with at the um, at that bluegrass gym. Mm-hmm. And he he came to Montreal, and so I met him independently. And he and, and Ron and I jammed a bunch. And eventually he commi- he convinced me to to move to Toronto. And I uh, I spent a lot of time in the first three or four years fiddling uh, well my first three or four years of playing fiddle music I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how not to sound like a classical violin player and uh, <laughs> eventually I started to succeed so I don't think I sound like a classical player anymore but at this point I honestly don't even give a shit I just I have, I have a fun time playing I love playing you know bluegrass and Appalachian music mostly and just like fiddle tunes, and the, the main attraction for me is always been just playing with other instruments, creating a good groove. And you know, it's something you can't, it's different in classical music, it's not the same. And just the organicness of the music has meant that I never have ever gotten bored with it. And I was going to say, is that kind of organically how you, you three? You know, John and Chris, and then obviously Max kind of just came together as well. Where you know, I know you had the the gig at uh, the Dakota Tavern there for a good good while, the residency. When did you guys know that the three of you had a, a good little thing going on? Well, we as we said, we played in a a five piece bluegrass band for many years together, all three of us, uh, called the Foggy Hogtown Boys, and I played guitar in that band. Although banjo has always been my main instrument. Uh, and I would sometimes pull out the banjo in that band, play a few tunes, usually in a set. Um, but we had, uh, you know, like when we'd be on tour, um, I, I was sort of always a little bit more into the old time music, but I feel like Max and John started getting more into it in the 2000s as well. And we found that when we were on tour, we would tend to jam, the three of us would tend to jam old time music. And uh, we did a couple... You know, we did a couple gigs, just the three of us, and we, we dug the dug the vibe. And, and and like most, like honestly, like almost every band I've ever been in, it it cropped up from from a gig opportunity where um, that place, the Dakota Tavern, uh, the owner John knew him, and he was opening this new bar, and he needed uh, wanted to do this you know weekly bluegrass brunch, but he couldn't afford the the amount of money he was offering wouldn't work for a five-piece band so we're like okay well let's just do it as a trio and at first i was i was playing guitar quite a bit so it was guitar bass and fiddle but but i I bring banjo out sometimes and we just found that combination uh the banjo fiddle and bass 
uh, was really sweet and, and uh, was was fairly unique. Um, and uh, that's sort of how that gig came about. And that uh, it was every Sunday, and then it became every Sunday and Saturday. And then once we'd done that for a few years, we started, you know, we'd get hired for other things and started doing other uh, other shows. And then eventually started after probably seven years, we, we played, we just did gigs around Toronto, house gigs, and uh, we never recorded anything for seven years. And I don't think we ever went on the road much before then. We'd all toured lots with other things and Stidemen and all that. But the, three, the trio never toured. And then we started going on the road, and it was a very different experience because we were so used to playing in bars. The different vibe to to go when you go on the road and you're actually doing a concert, it's you know it's different than playing a bar gig, a loud bar gig. And that took a little bit of time to get adjusted to, um, but once we did, it was great. It was it's so much easier to be honest. After years of playing bars, once we got our groove for playing concerts, it was like. I would say it's like it's like swinging two bats before you get up to play. Uh, it's it just seems so so easy in comparison. I love that. And how did you guys come up with the name Lonesome Ace? <clears throat> Where does that stem from? You you sort of named the band. There was a there was a, a record label called Lonesome Ace Records in the twenties, and. Mississippi John Hurt recorded on that label, and so did Doc Boggs. And it's a it's an interesting story that I can't remember the fellow who owned the label. Um, he at the time yodeling was all the rage because of like Jimmy Rogers and all the blue yodelers, and uh, and this guy hated yodeling, so he made a record label called Lonesome Ace Records, and the the trademark was without a yodel. And his the whole concept of the album of the record label was that he was going to make a record label that had no yodeling on it. Anyways, I just thought it was a cool name, Lonesome Ace. I always thought <laughs> a, 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 a cool name for a band, but it sort of backfired on, on us because when you introduced us, nobody can say it. It doesn't seem <laughs> like it's like when people ask us, "What's the name of your band?" I have to go like the Lonesome Ace string band and and it, it's for some reason that combination of words is sort of clumsy and nobody ever remembers what we're called and we should probably change the name of the band but it's sort of too late now <laughs> does it ever get like misspelled on the on the marquees as well not so much marquees but just like people constantly call us like oh, the lonesome string or the, you know, just Lonesome Strings. The lonesome, or the Lonesome Aces. The Lonesome Aces. Lonesome Aces at least is not entirely wrong. That sounds like it could be a band name. Lonesome String doesn't sound like much. Very lacking. It's yeah. weak. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't honor well. Anyway. No. No. Now something that I... I, I Esoteric music. Okay. <laughs> Now, something that does go well is your your new album. I've, I've gotten a chance to listen to it. And like I said, hasn't come out yet. By the time we're while well, we're talking, but when this drops, it it will be out. Uh, it's it's called uh, "Try to Make It Fly." Where does that title come from? Because I know none of the songs have that as a title. It's not you know the title didn't come from a, a particular song on the album, anything like that. Why why that name for the new album? It's the second last 
uh, line in the chorus of the first song. Mm. Um, that song was written by by me and Max, and it sort of tells a story of just really quickly the salmon spawn that goes up river in the spring and it's pretty amazing because the salmon go like hundreds and hundreds of kilometers and they're getting weaker all the time. And by the time they get up to the, to their destination, they basically have like a few days left to live. And then they quickly have sex, create like, you know, spawn like as many new salmon as they can. And then they're just dead. They basically die. So it's kind of like, I don't know the metaphor, the metaphor for the song was sort of struggling to, you know, striving through hardship to make something work. And, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're striving through hardship so much so much as we're just like working musicians, but I don't know. It was a, it seemed like a good, like an apt line to name a, uh, an album after. And we, we've, we went back and forth about a lot of different uh, album names. One of the, uh, one of, one of our better ones that was sort of tongue in cheek was uh, for fun and profit. But, uh, we figured maybe try to make it fly was a little more sincere. So, um, Anyway, yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, <laughs> it, I like it, and, and and it works well with with you know you talking about how, you know that 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 struggle because am I correct? Where you also pretty much scrapped all the original recordings from this album and then uh, went back and redid it. So I mean, there was a little bit of work that went into this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we we. Uh, um, we after right before COVID, Max, our bass player, who's not here, uh, he moved from Toronto. We were always a Toronto-based band. He moved from here to the West Coast, and then COVID hit, so we basically didn't see him for two years. Um, we were a lot slower opening up here in Canada, for better or worse, um, and uh, and so. In 2022, uh, 2022, yeah, 2021, 2021, we, yeah, we, we got, he flew out here. It was the first time we'd been together as a band in two years. And we had a, had a writing session. We all had some songs ready or, or, you know, at least partly ready. We had a writing session, which lasted a week writing and rehearsal session. And, um, and then we went into, came into Toronto and we went directly into the studio to record. Um, now, because the songs were so fresh, like so new, and we, all, we had a very limited amount of time to record, we decided to take a, a slightly different approach than what we would generally do. Like our, our first album was recorded in one day. It was all, it's all live. Our next two albums, uh, are more or less the same. We've always recorded generally like the, like 90% of the track is recorded live. There might be an overdub as the, as the albums went on, we, we tended to do a little bit more overdubbing, but the, the core of the track was always done live. But in this case, we didn't know the songs as well. We decided to take a different approach, which isn't a bad approach. I definitely, definitely, I think we've all had good results doing this in the past sometimes, but um, what we did was recorded all the tracks separately and with every to a click. We did some stuff together, but it was always to a click. 
and it was always, you know, we did all, we never recorded the vocals live because we didn't know the songs well enough yet. We overdubbed the vocals and everything. And um, again, you can get really good results doing that, but we're a band that has played together. We've played thousands of shows together. We've played live. We know how to play live really well together. Um, and when we listen back to the record, although it was like, obviously it was perfect because anyone can sort of make an album in, with that process and make it fairly perfect if you, if you have time and a certain amount of skill. Um, it was missing the, the best part of our band. It was missing just the, the spark. And, it, and it's like, it just seemed a shame. I mean, because as I say, sort of anyone can do the other, but not anyone can, not, every, not any band has the, the years. That's like a, that's sort of a rare thing these days for a band to have the, have the deep years of performance together. Um, so we just decided it wasn't good enough. And we toured all last year um then 2022 and we played those songs live we we wrote a couple more new tunes and by the time we went into the studio in the fall of 22 we again recorded the core of the tracks live and sang live for the most part and, and uh we were much happier with the results so yeah well let's say it turned turned out uh, really well from from what i've gotten to listen to and I feel like you have a nice variety on, on this one, whether it's, uh, you know, you got some instrumentals, which I, I know is kind of like that core jam, jam sessions, the Appalachian, uh, so to speak. And then you've also got uh, one of my favorites, Smoke on the Shoulder. Uh, you got Sweeter Sound, all sort of a little bit of a different feel. Was that kind of on purpose to kind of show a little bit of everything since this was all original from y'all? Hard to answer. I mean, I don't think we necessarily set out to make anything sound different. I think what we were trying to do was basically bring as many as many of our own influences into the music as we could, just because we were writing original music. And I think when you're writing original music, you want to you know you want to write something that feels real and true to you, right? So because there's three of us, and and, and it's you know, we, we did write some of the stuff together for sure, like we arranged it all together, but each of us individually is also kind of bringing, bringing song ideas to the table. Um, I, I just think it, it ends up sounding a little bit like, you know, all the different things that influence us individually as musicians. And I think, you know, going back, it would, you know, if, if, I, could, if I could imagine, oh, what would be the perfect, you know, original record, I'd say... Maybe it would maybe they'd sound a little bit more the same, so so they would have like maybe more in common from track to track. Uh, in a way, that sort of made it that made sequencing the music in some ways a little tricky because you're trying to trying to make it have sort of a flow when really like they smoke on the shoulder and you'll be there don't have very much in common. Like you'll be there's kind of got like a real more sort of fiddle and banjo kind of vibe we're smoking the shoulders like you know the first thing we we recorded on it was like this basically late 60s you know drum loop and 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 we used it because we again so here's a good example of how things happened in the studio we we recorded the song a couple of times and it wasn't just wasn't quite feeling really in the pocket 
And the, the engineer was like, hey, look, man, why don't I just, like, I know you guys don't want to record to a click track, which we didn't. He's like, look, why don't I just put, like, a, an easy, silly drum groove down and see what it sounds like when you play to that. And we started playing, and it was like, oh, this actually sounds great. And so we got him to kind of, like, you know, with our help, like, pick, pick sort of the right sounds for just the simplest backing track you can imagine. And then just played to that. And, I mean, we played live to it, but it has, like, a certain vibe. But that's very different from just, like, the three of us kind of saying, okay, like, go, and hitting, like, you know, fiddle, banjo, and bass. So in that sense, it was like, okay, how do we get these sort of disparate elements to blend on a record? And it's, I don't know, it's, it's tricky. And like I said, I, I think if, you know, maybe if we make, you know, another three or four records, hopefully, eventually we'll make a record where it's like, oh, yeah, everything sort of sounds the same, but it's sort of different. <laughs> Well, maybe that's not. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. <laughs> we, 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 I mean, we're we're happy with it. We left actually. We even left a song that we really liked uh, off the album because it was just too out there sounding compared to everything else. So, um, which we'll probably release as a single at some point. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. The albums just happen the way they're going to happen. I mean, my I I really love albums that like. Two of my favorite albums of all time are, uh, well, probably one of my favorite, my favorite album of all time is the Redheaded Stranger, uh, Willie. And, but then also the John Wesley Harding, the, the Dylan album. And both those albums are like, the sound of them is, the sound and the vibe is so similar from end to end. Um, it, it, I, I love those types of albums, but I mean, that's not what we made here. That's not what we made here. And <laughs> I feel like that's the type of thing that it's easier to do if it's one. We have three writers and three singers and and a bunch of different genres sort of coming in. So it's just bound to sort of be a little bit more all over the place. Another, th another thing to add at this point, too, is that this is the sixth record that we've made just in this trio. And we've, of those, uh, of those six records... Three of them were pretty much just straight up Appalachian music, and those have like those hang together extremely well. Like they're very, very similar. So I think, in a way, also we were going to just write an all original album. We did make one album that was mostly original before, and it's sort of the same thing. Like the, the sounds are a lot more disparate between the original tracks than they would be if we were just playing a bunch of. Appalachian stuff. Um, so it's and, and and also as a band when you evolve, you know, it's like, well, we have this one sound, so let's see how many other sounds we can kind of develop. And I, I think eventually you're going to make stuff that just sounds a lot different. And you can hear that in in you know lots of kinds of music too. Like like a lot of bluegrass bands too, as they get older, will start or older as they as they make more music, they start to you know they start to sound their sound will change. And obviously like pop bands and rock bands and hip-hop bands, whatever. I mean, you know, sounds change. And, yeah, I, I feel like there's, there's sort of a, a, a point where things all sound very consistent and then a point where they really kind of widen out. So I don't know if we're moving one way or the other, but this record is definitely one where we kind of, you know, threw everything at the wall and took everything that stuck, and most of it stuck, so... <laughs> Except for that one song, but but yeah. I, I do you you make a good point though. 
uh, all three of you do write, all three of you do sing on record. So how is it balancing, you know, three different, obviously probably three different writing styles, three different everything, and kind of, but still making it your own and kind of making it who you guys are? Well, we, um, there definitely isn't a thing like, it's like we each get three songs or anything. There's, there's certainly none of that. Um, we, we are, we do contribute. Like we, like on this album, uh, we share the songwriting credits equally on all the tunes. Now you can sort of tell who wrote the tune by who's singing lead on it usually. But when I say wrote the tune, wrote the main body of the tune, but like, me and John, John definitely contributed to like all the tunes I wrote on this by, you know, we just worked together on them, changing ideas on the chorus, changing some chord things possibly. Um, I tend to not be like, I, I'm pretty precious about the words aspect. I don't really um, like, not that I wouldn't take a suggestion, but that part of it to me is, is a little like, that I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring the words and the, and the melody, but I'm always open. And I, and I try to be more and more open to other people's ideas for arrangements and like, and chords and things like that. So it doesn't feel like, like any one person is sort of like the, the main thing. And because we've also played together so much, I mean, we're, we're on the same page generally. It's not like, there isn't like a awkward moment where somebody brings something that's like feels like totally inappropriate. It's generally, or if it is, we can tell like within about one or two times trying the song. It's like maybe we won't do that right now. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's like it should. Yeah, we generally we generally come to consensus pretty quickly. Uh, I, I like that, and, and you guys have aged like a fine scotch. You know, you got a few years under under yourselves, like you said, and, and have been able to do some, some cool stuff. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, you, you played in a lot of bars, things like that. Now you're getting to do tours. What's, what's the best part about just getting out there and being able to perform and, and share these songs with folks and, and um, you know, kind of show, show them what you got? I like the aspect of traveling. I just, I just like traveling simply and you know, going to a place where you've never been and playing for, you know, playing for other people and everybody's happy. <laughs> you know, it's, and then seeing seeing how they live, trying new food. I mean, I like simple stuff like that. I feel like I, I feel like in terms of actually performing, I don't I don't actually really care where it is as long as people are people are receptive and into it. And I, I generally find that I I mean I I only really like a listening crowd if they're sincere about listening. Like sometimes when you sometimes you play certain sometimes there'll be a vibe where you're playing and it's like people are expected to be quiet and that can be sort of oppressive. Like in that case I'd just rather play a loud bar. And uh but to me one of the most satisfying things also is if you play a loud bar and as you're playing and they're drinking, they actually get quieter and start paying attention then you know you're doing something right. If you get a bunch of drunk people to listen to you as they get more drunk, who knows, man? You know, that's, then you know you're on something. It really, doesn't really pay, but it makes you feel good. One of, uh, one of my favorite things, and we've 
I think all of our favorite things. But, you know, we've, we've been at this a long time and we're not like, it's, uh, we're really lucky to be able to do this for a living and, and we have great fans and everything, but we haven't like, you know, we haven't like, you know, hit any sort of big time and it's not that glamorous. And, you know, we have some, still have some, like some pretty shitty gigs sometimes when we're out there on the road. But one of the things that I take the most pride in and, and, and sort of get a real kick out of is, you know, sometimes we'll, you show up somewhere and you're, you know, I remember we, we played this Legion up in Northern, uh, uh, Northern Alberta a couple of years ago uh, tour and we show up at the Sunday night and there's just like nobody there, you know, and it's like really, really lame and potentially depressing, but we always have a thing that's sort of the worse the gig is, the better we play. Like we make a point of it. It's like, okay, if there's seven people come out and see us play, we're going to put a show on that like there's 500 people here and those seven people are going to go home and tell their friends, they're like, holy shit, man. We saw a band the other night at the Legion. They were, like, they drew, they were from all the way across the country. And it was Sunday night and there was like six people there. Those guys played the best show I've seen, you know, in, in years. That's what I want to have happen. And I, I take a lot of pride in when we can pull that and not get down and and just you know just put on the best show we're always putting on our best show possible but i feel like when you can put on a really good show in a potentially depressing situation um you at least have a few years left in you yeah and it's, it's also <laughs> like the thing is is that that's how you actually get better too because we can go back literally to that place in northern alberta now and the last time... There'll be 12. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, be no we've, we've played it. we played a couple of weeks around that area in our last tour. And it was, we were great. I mean, you know, it was a lot more than 12 people there. It was, it was really good. And I just feel like that's kind of how you build, you know, you build character as a band, but you also kind of build your reputation. Because then people like, people just know you're serious. It's like, yeah, these guys are going to play good. It's a given. And once, mm -hmm. once it's a given, then you're doing something else. And especially if they're drunk and they're paying attention, is is there is there a favorite song that you all love to play, whether it's yours or someone else's, that you just it, when when you get the chance, it's just one of the the pleasures for you. Well, we like there's there's a one song we play like because again like the, the, our main gig that we played for so many years was this brunch gig, and it was like it was the it was like a really popular gig, and and all these hipsters would bring their kids there. And it was like loud as hell. Uh, it was people talking and kids dancing and screaming and and people getting drunk and partying and it was a really wild gig. And uh, and we um, and we were often we were often there was definitely mornings where we'd show up. We'd start at ten, I think, and we'd be in rough shape and sometimes still sort of shining a bit from the evening before. And uh, and uh, one one song we love to play is uh, is uh, "Keep Your Skillet Good and Greasy" by Uncle Dave Macon. We play that. We would play just these weird extended funk version of that song and stare out at the audience, and it was just great. We had some great times, you know, just 
barely holding on and playing that song. That's for me. That's a song I definitely remember. <laughs> oh man, I, I I feel like the thing the thing now is we've been playing so long. If we're and we have such a big repertoire that if we play a two hour show, like we can we can stack that show with songs that that we love every single song. It's like and that that's so getting back to like playing whether you're playing for you know 500 people or thousands of people at a festival or a tiny crowd in you know in the middle of like northern alberta <laughs> you know it's when you have when the set list is like oh yeah this is an awesome song oh that's an awesome song too oh cool i love this song it's like oh wicked now we're playing this one you know you just kind of have you know in your own mind it's like hit after hit after hit it's pretty easy to stay motivated so i kind of like it all like there's always i'll always find something that's really that's really great to play and you know something that, that makes me happy but i think that's that's the main thing if you're having fun when you're playing and you know i mean you, you have to be serious and professional but if, you know your joy while you're playing joy is what translates to people who are listening I was gonna say you. you <laughs> I was gonna say you. You've made some some good music, <laughs> for 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 sure. And you know, obviously, you got the album drop. And what else can folks expect from you the rest of this year and into twenty twenty four? More more touring. Um, we'll be uh, we'll be out in the northeast or northwest. Uh, uh, you know. Alberta, Saskatchewan, Montana, uh, Washington State, Oregon, and, uh, um, uh, up in Vancouver uh, in the end of November, and um, yeah, just more touring. Me and John, me and John play as a duo fairly often as well, um, um, and uh, we'll be down in you know Nashville and North Carolina at the end of January. And, just more hitting the road and then just ho hopefully more creative projects. We don't have, I mean, we're just getting through this album cycle and it's, it's crazy because with the way, you know, these days you release singles, we released five singles for this album. So I feel like we, well, I mean, we've literally been releasing this album since last May and you know, every single is like, you're, you know, doing press releases for the single and like, pitching the single and videos for the single. So I feel like we've been releasing this album and we, we literally have for half the year. Um, and not that I'm sick of releasing it, but, um, you know, I, I, I haven't had time to think about what's next for the band, to be honest with you. Uh, what's next is finally having this album out and then hopefully people hearing it and hopefully people liking it and, you know, get some good gigs and do it all again. Well, also, it helps to know we've got like we've got thirty shows to play in the next little while, so we're gonna have a nice little chunk of touring, um, mostly sort of eastern U.S., sort of through the sort of northern part of the states to Wisconsin, and then we're going. I'm just told. Oh, yep. Sorry, missed. Okay. <laughs> I was busy. You got slightly just, distracted. Oh dog, you know, it's like balancing family life and talking <laughs> about music. <laughs> I. I totally get it. I was—I forget which who. I think maybe it was the Boomtown Saints, and my my daughter, who's, who's about to turn five, just had always asked me questions that night. So I, I totally get the the family responsibilities uh, sometimes uh, popping up on, on the podcast. And 
you know, uh, for those that maybe haven't heard you guys and, and you know, after listening um, are, are interested, what can they, what would you say to them on, on to expect on, on the music that you've released and the album that you guys have put out? What, uh, I would just tell them to go and listen to it. It's on all the streaming services. You can get it on our, uh, on our, uh, off our website. If you still like to download, if you still have figured out a way to download MP3s and get them on a device and listen to them, congratulations. We, we've got you covered. Uh, we also, uh, we also have actual CDs. If you still own a CD player, uh, you can order that. And we also, for this album, have the vinyl, which, uh, won't be available through mail, but will be available at live shows. It'll be at live shows unless, unless we have too many flying dates, in which case we'll probably have not enough room for 10 of them in our suitcase. <laughs> yeah, look at that. And as you guys said, you found out they weigh more than you expected. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I don't think they're 180 gram vinyl, but uh, the uh, ratio of, of vinyl weight to CD weight is not favorable. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, John, Chris, this has been a lot of fun, folks. If if you get the chance, I highly recommend the album. It, it, it's a fun one, and I think there's something on there for for everyone. And, and thank you, guys. Thanks very much hey, for thanks, talking Jonathan. to us, Jonathan. Appreciate it. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.